Welcome to At the Corner of Goff and Ellis, a podcast on the intersectionality of race and gender and its impact on young women of color. This show is hosted by me, Olivia Flores. Today, I am joined by Leanna Louie, a Sacred Heart Cathedral graduate from the class of 2006. Welcome to the podcast and let's get started. Um, so first, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? So my name is Leanna Louie. I used to pronounce she, her, hers. Um, professionally, I'm a DEI program manager at Lucid Motors. I graduated Sacred Heart Cathedral in 2006. Um, did a short stint in Oregon where I went to school at University of Portland and Oregon State. Um, ended up graduating Oregon State in 2012 with two bachelors, one in business administration, the other one in healthcare management and policy. Um, had a fun trajectory of careers before I ended up at Lucid. Went a little bit through baseball where I was subjected to racism and sexism and fun stuff that led me to um, working in diversity, equity, and inclusion mm-hmm. today. And um, for fun, I love sports still. So I go to as many sporting events as I can attend and I um, mentor girls at Stanford University, along with being part of the DEI committee for Chi Omega fraternity, sorry, for legally fraternity, um, part of their special DEI committee nationally. So I help plan all the diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging initiatives that we do. Cool. Um, How did you come to attend Sacred Heart? And can you tell me maybe a little bit about your time there? Yeah, it feels like so long ago. So I went to St. Peter and Paul. Um, It's a private school in North Beach. I think it was just natural that I wanted to go continue on in a Catholic school because I did even for college. And so I was choosing between Mercy and Sacred Heart Cathedral. And I initially thought I wanted to go to Mercy the whole Mm -hmm. time. And last minute, I switched to Sacred Heart after attending one of those shadow days. How was your overall experience? Was it positive, negative, a little bit of both? Um, I would definitely say it was pretty positive. I think, I mean, there's also, I mean, there's definitely privilege there, right? Mm -hmm. And it became more transparent after they had um, created more scholarship. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was, we were very sheltered there, I would say. And I realized more and more, like, as I left our little sacred heart in San Francisco community for school, like, we, like, luckily got to grow up in one of the most diverse yeah. places in in the world, like I wouldn't even just say in the U.S., but like in the world, and having that mindset going to school in Oregon, it was like such a culture shock for yeah. me. And I feel like there at Sacred Heart, even though there like there's a lot of racial inequity in the world, you really didn't feel it mm-hmm. until like I would say when I was like leaving and my sister was still there. Like you could see the racial inequities there after in hindsight not while you're a student there Hmm. interesting what types of clubs or extracurriculars were you involved in um I was in track and field I also did LaSalleans and Sension Youth um I was a yearbook editor starting my freshman year Mm -hmm. 
I honestly don't remember all the clubs I was in, but those are the three that like I remember Mm -hmm. (laughs) clearly. How do you feel like your gender impacted your experience at Sacred Heart? I feel like as I was a student, I didn't really notice so much disparity, but like looking back, I feel like there was definitely more money spent towards like men's sports Mm -hmm. and of all these other programs. But I feel like as a woman at Sacred Heart at the time, like again, that privilege that we had that we were kind of in this sheltered situation, I don't think it really made a difference while there. But mm-hmm. looking back, you can clearly tell the difference between what males and females got differently at Sacred Heart. Yeah. Um, did you feel like maybe your race impacted your experience more? I wouldn't say that per se, just because I was friends with a lot of different mm-hmm. groups of students. Um, and maybe I'm not the norm there where like you have the popular cis white gender males, the jocks per se. And mm-hmm. I don't know, the cap- like the cafeteria felt like mean girls like you have all your different cliques <laughs> but I really kind of got along with everybody and even like going back to my reunion like I really was friends with a lot of different groups at Sacred Heart so maybe I didn't notice as much as other students would mm-hmm. um and I'm still like I have a few close friends from Sacred Heart that are what we would call underrepresented members of mm-hmm. the, like community and the workplace and I just felt like okay like we could have real talk we could have real conversations but I didn't feel like tied to like my Asian heritage like was gonna prevent me from like I can only hang out with the Asian kids I hung out with like everybody and I feel like part of it was I'm really social and I hung out with so many different groups while there mm-hmm. and I really kept like my extracurriculars very diverse mm-hmm. that I was exposed to so many different groups yeah I think that's really awesome um were there other aspects maybe of your identity that played a greater role in shaping um your high school experience no I honestly didn't really become aware of my identity until I was like in college more so and like I feel very fortunate I didn't I wasn't really bullied in high school I wasn't like I was in elementary school I really felt like it was the time for me to like come out of my shell and I feel like Sigur Heart gave me that opportunity a little bit mm-hmm. through all these like extracurricular activities and different trips I got to go on while in school I got to go to close-up I went to like different yearbook trips um went to a couple of Venevere's um, mm-hmm. in Montana to the Blackfeet, Re- Blackfoot, sorry, Blackfoot Reservation and then did the Venevere San Francisco as well and just like super exposed to like all the different cultural backgrounds that Sacred Heart had in their students, their faculty, like just everywhere. Yeah. Um, I wish I got to do some of those things. Um, my high school experience has definitely been different with the pandemic. Um, but those are certainly things that attracted me to SHC. Um, so maybe there'll be things that I'll get to do in the last couple months. Um, fingers crossed. <laughs> oh, 
fingers crossed you get to have like a little bit of a normal like senior spring semester yes for sure um can you recall any teachers who um addressed like race or ethnicity or gender in the classroom or even in extracurricular activities I, I saw that question earlier in the prep and I could not recall any. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's not as prevalent as it is today where like you're seeing AAPI hate crimes, you're seeing a lot of Black Lives Matter yeah. stuff with George Floyd. Like, again, I would say there is a naivety there that we had when I was in high mm -hmm. school from 2002 to 2006 that we weren't exposed to. And a lot of it, I think comes down like how readily available everything is through social media, through mm -hmm. Instagram and TikTok. Like Facebook was literally just coming out when I went to college. <laughs> and I feel like you guys are so much more exposed to like I what's totally happening agree. in the real world where mm -hmm. it warrants more conversations like that. But I feel like, again, because of like where my age is, I wasn't exposed to it until like later because yeah. I felt racism in Portland and working in baseball and all this other stuff that I was just like so dandy in my own little bubble at mm -hmm. your Heart. But it, I wouldn't say it prepared me for that, but I did get to appreciate that I had this like safe space to really develop and grow that I feel like a lot of high schoolers don't get anymore because they're just constantly exposed to like all these different sides and so many politics involved nowadays yeah um so then were there any um social upheavals or movements that made its way into the classroom um like anything that happened in your high school experience that students were talking about or maybe teachers were talking about to you not really unfortunately I think the biggest like Scandal was what what was happening at the Grove, <laughs> like mm -hmm. like that. I think they were like busting down on the Grove and like all the SI and SH kids that would hang out there, and that was like the biggest scandal going on. But again, like with COVID, there more there's more disparities that are like coming to light and fruition, and again the racial inequity pieces across America and you're just seeing it so much and it's like shoved down your throat and mm -hmm. you are forced I feel like you guys are forced to grow, grow up so much quicker than I had to mm -hmm. yeah D I mean definitely I feel like the amount of things that I've seen just like on my news app or on my tv or like heard what's been talked about between my classmates just like in the past two years even it's been kind of crazy and I definitely don't know if I would have been as active in listening to the news if I didn't have social media platforms to hear about those things so yeah it's it's definitely interesting comparing experiences to people who were experienced high school without social media I think it's so interesting to compare and contrast those two things I know I mean the biggest problem for us was like who was your MySpace top like <laughs> eight right like <laughs> or Zanga like that is what we had was MySpace and Tom and like mm -hmm. all of that but <laughs> I, I feel like there's so much animosity in the social media world that 
again, you guys were exposed to that I didn't have, unfortunately, and the algorithms and all the AIs. Mm-hmm. It's just constantly like pressure, 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 pressure. Like you have LinkedIn. We didn't have LinkedIn when we were <laughs> in high school. What was that? That didn't exist. Like that didn't come around until I was a junior in college. Mm-hmm. And even like, I think that's like causing so many mental health issues in yeah. high schoolers today that I, a lot of people in my year didn't, or like my years didn't have to really address. Mm-hmm. And that's really unfortunate that you guys are forced to grow up at age 14 when you're at a critical part of your life where mm-hmm. you should be figuring out who you are yeah, and where exactly. you fit into society. And like, in hindsight, like you're even in my thirties, like you still don't know where you fit in <laughs> at any given time. You're still constantly going to evolve and grow as a person as you age. Um, looking back, do you think your high school experience played a role in what you do for a living? I would say a part of it. Cause I was exposed to like this like falsehood of like, we're all diverse we can all really accept each other like this is a place of belonging and that's the feeling like I've sought after to make Mm -hmm. people feel like in the communities like I help and assist with and um I think that part really translates well and then really enter to learn leave to serve has always stuck like Mm -hmm. if I if I'm going to remember one thing about high school, it's going to always be like remembering to serve your community. And you like mm-hmm. went to high school, you learned a little bit. And, but like, I mean, look at my career, like I help people every single day and mm-hmm. feel like they can be their most authentic version of themselves without having to code switch at work at all and really bring their best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that part has translated throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Um, what have been some of the benefits of being a woman of color um, on this path um, to where you are today and maybe what have been some of the challenges I would say I'm definitely a minority in some places I also have I also identify as disabled like I have a medical condition that causes a disability and I feel like some of the racism, sexism that I have felt after college, like it has really made me want to, it's made me stronger and made me want to advocate for those who don't have a voice and learning to fight for myself. And like, no one was there for me, like during this time, Mm -hmm. made me realize like, hey, I can advocate. I can be a champion for these people that feel like they can't be themselves or they don't have a safe place to go to or talk to that's not a therapist like they don't feel like they have an ally there Mm -hmm. to help pull them along and I think that has really like opened my eyes and like how do I get other women especially a lot of white cisgender females to understand like hey even though you're a female like yeah you're still going to deal with the sex Mm -hmm. and misogyny that's out there but you're gonna be able to advocate better than women like us that have a like a racial identity it's tied to them Mm because every layer of your identity creates more barriers so like being a female creates a barrier 
being of a certain racial mm-hmm. ethnicity is a barrier, creates a new barrier and challenge. And then being like having a disability, being a veteran, like any identity, being part of the LGBTQIA plus community adds a barrier. Like there's mm-hmm. all these different layers. And I think being a person of color, like really, really, especially going to very white Oregon Mm -hmm. opened my eyes that the rest of the world is on this journey to learn about all the different racial inequalities and like just overall disparities that historically underrepresented communities have to face day by day. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to young women of color at Sacred Heart today? I would say if you can't find your community at Sacred Heart, know there's networks and communities out there for you based on how you identify, like use those resources. So if you are a young black girl, like look, there's the Loveland Foundation that helps provide like low cost, low cost, no cost, like counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, There is black girls who like, code like look to those groups that you fall into that racial identity or affinity and hold like hold on to them they're going to be your sisters in life and like really empower you if you want to go into sports and which is a male dominated field Mm -hmm. like there are different groups like women in sports like build that network as soon as you can outside of high school may seem like a stretch because you're so young but when you're young this is when people are willing to help you like Mm -hmm. oh you're a student okay I understand that let me help you get where you want to go and take that like use that high school like name to your advantage (laughs) to get like mentorship meetings or just like I mean you guys have LinkedIn you can reach out to anybody and be like (laughs) hey I'm a high schooler can you meet with me for like 20 minutes for a coffee chat virtually and Luckily, you guys have Zoom because I we didn't have Zoom. We had to like go meet people for coffee physically. <laughs> so, so take advantage of networking um, yeah. and really lean into those communities because they will be there for you on your darkest days. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, knowing what you know now, what do you think SHC can do to affirm and support young women of color? I think it needs to be a little bit of diversity, equity, inclusion, groundwork, um, really, and when I say groundwork, I would say so rudimentary in this work where you're, like, describing, (laughs) defining what, like, diversity, equity, and inclusion even means, Mm -hmm. what does underrepresented population mean, what is unconscious bias, like, very, very, very entry level, because I think that when you enter, like a lot of people are like woke nowadays, right? (laughs) What happens is like they, people expect, especially if you go on to college or the, or if people that choose to go into the real world, they're just going to assume you're, because you're young, you're woke. And sometimes people just don't have that basic understanding and then Mm -hmm. you just get judged. So I think building up like a very, very basic, like diversity, equity, and inclusion program that's like almost mandatory for seniors uh, like I don't even yeah. know if they still have that I don't remember what class they had that it would fit into but like there's like a couple classes that you could like build like a whole unconscious bias training mm-hmm. under like very entry level of course and then I think 
you do something more advanced for those that fall into the different minority categories at Sacred Heart and in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think ethics class would probably be a great place to put that because we do try to tackle like the topics of racism and sexism, but we don't cover everything. And I do think that students especially um, should be leaving high school with the tools to communicate with other people, no matter what their background is, what their identity is. Yeah. And I think it's important for the teachers to go through like what we call train the trainer sessions, Mm -hmm. where if you're going to be the one that have these conversations, really creating a psychological safety for the students and really emphasizing like, hey, this is going to be hard to stomach. Like some of you guys may be further ahead in your journey. I mean, we're dealing with that in the real world right now Mm because everybody's in a different part of like their life and what they were exposed to. I mean, look at like what I was exposed to in high school versus you. And so, yeah, there definitely needs to be some kind of training with the teachers before they roll something out like this, where they can create that psychological safety and really use it as an opportunity to listen and learn as well. And sometimes that's, if it's done poorly, just to check a box, it does more harm to students of color than anything else. Like that's just going to make their experience a lot worse. So it has to be tactfully done and there needs to be a little bit of training for the um for the teachers before they just like roll out with it absolutely um I know for me personally I have had experiences where I haven't felt comfortable with a teacher and because of the way that we were talking about certain subjects or like how it was handled in class um and I feel like absolutely educating the people who are supposed to be educators also like that totally needs to be um, a big step. Um, So, yeah. Um, I also like to share a quote with you. um, It's kind of one of my favorite quotes um, and it's by Supreme court justice Sonia Sotomayor. um, And she says, I think it's important to move people beyond just dreaming into doing, they have to be able to see that you are just like them and you made it. Um, And so kind of um, in thinking about this quote, Were there any teachers of color during your time at SHC? Very few. I think I can name one, and Miss Duenas is one of them. Um, Mr. Hermano. I think that was it, unfortunately. And a lot of times they went through, because we're a Sacred Heart to LaSallian School. They graduated from St. Mary's and Mm -hmm. there just happened to be a placement and that's how a lot of the teachers ended up there. I think Sacred Heart was lucky at the time that we had a lot of female teachers Mm -hmm. um, really to help us there, but yeah, it was very non-diverse. Were either of those adults people you looked up to? Yeah, I would say Mr. Hermano was Great. Like he knew, like I had, he was the yearbook teacher too, along with the physics teacher. And like, I could look up to him for mm-hmm. help um, if I needed it. And like, we've stayed in touch a little bit past that, which has been great. I also coached Chan. I totally <laughs> forgot. About. He was not a teacher. He wasn't part of staff when I was doing track and field, but mm. 
now he I think he's like the COVID like manager yes he is (laughs) (laughs) something like that god bless him for doing that role um but yeah he was not part of the staff but he was instrumental in like who I was at Sugar Heart doing Mm -hmm. track and field Hmm. um also in further reflection on this quote um kind of the biggest question I'm gonna ask um do you think representation matters oh of course like I have this conversation every day like Part of my job is to help recruit underrepresented or historically excluded talent into Lucid Motors. And I think part of it is like looking at who your executive team is. If you don't have a person of color sitting mm-hmm. on your executive team, sometimes that sends the wrong message. I mean, we're actively working to find candidates that are great overall, but like it helps to see someone that looks like you sitting up high like they got there they were able to trailblaze a path for us and really you can imagine yourself there and know you can make it as far as they did because they did the hard work to pave that path for us mm-hmm. yeah I completely agree um, and so for the last portion of this interview I'm just going to ask you a couple of, like speed round questions um, so my first one is, who was your favorite teacher at SHC? Sister Frances in geometry. That was probably one of my favorite classes I've ever taken. Um, I forgot about Miss Lee, too. Okay, so I don't know if Miss Lee is still there. Uh, uh, yes. She was one of the few, like, teachers of color as well. Um, but I would say Sister Frances was, like, absolutely one of my favorite teachers. Granted, I don't use geometry every day. I still remember a lot of the theories. <laughs> so then that was probably your favorite um, class at SHC. That was my second question. No, my really? favorite class at Sacred Heart had to be leadership with Mr. <laughs> Daniels. Um, there was a lot of like real life issues that we like in terms of like developing your leadership skills that I really appreciated that I still use today and like mm-hmm. I think we did the Myers-Briggs test to see where you fall in your leadership style. And that was probably one of the most relevant classes <laughs> that still resonates with me today. Awesome. Um, what was your favorite memory from Sacred Heart? I would say, I think my Venevere trips were my favorite, especially the one in San Francisco. There was like only four of us. So we got to really be tight-knit and there was one person from every class so like a freshman a sophomore junior and senior and it was in our own backyard and I had volunteered a lot when I was in elementary school Mm -hmm. but I was exposed to so many new nonprofits and organizations that sometimes I still help out with today um I was part like a philanthropy director for a women's organ San Francisco that I went through racial trauma with and I got to work with some of those groups that I worked with in high school. So I feel like that was probably one of my favorite memories. Do you have a favorite SHC tradition? I would say probably walkathon. Like having the time that and also um, Bruce Mahoney, the football game, Mm -hmm. not the basketball or baseball, but I would say walkathon, like you get a whole day off. Yeah. You get to go hang out with people in your class, uh, walk around Golden Gate Park, 
after a couple walkathons, like we would, because you have like half the day, right? You can go explore San Francisco yourself yeah. and take the bus, or well, at that time, you know, take the bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you can Uber. But we would go like walk up to the Legion of Honor. Um, one year, one year I think I we went to like some of my friends and I went to Ocean Beach. So I would say walkathon was one of my favorites too. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then lastly, what book do you recommend all SHC students read? I would say I have so many favorite books, but <laughs> my ultimate favorite book is um my god, is it is Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Like anything Brene Brown reads, <laughs> like wrote, it's all good. Like all okay. of it is so insightful all of it's so real world especially for women like Mm -hmm. she just has like this way of writing and connecting to women but I would say dare to lead like really gets you out of your comfort zone like pushes you to just like make change in the world and I think that book especially with Sacred Heart's model I think that's a book everybody should read before they leave Sacred Heart great Thank you. Catherine the Rye, forget about that. Like, <laughs> real, real books. <laughs> yeah, um, those are great suggestions. Um, so thank you. Um, and uh, again, thank you for being a part of this interview. I loved listening to your responses to my questions. Um, yeah, this will be a good episode. Thanks again to Leanna for joining me today, and thank you to the listeners for checking out my podcast. I will see you in the next one.